there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. How are you doing? Hope school is off to a great start and hope that work isn't too much of a slog. And most importantly, I hope you've got a mug of delicious caffeinated beverage on hand because it is time for yet another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today, Becky Deanna, is one of those people with a job that they do make movies about. She is the executive director of international marketing partnerships at Sony Pictures Entertainment. Becky, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. I am. I had two shots and a uh, iced vanilla latte, so I am very <laughs> caffeinated this morning. Awesome. Well, we're going to use all that good energy and channel it right out of the gate into helping our Java junkies understand what you do. What are the primary functions of your current job at Sony Pictures? So the primary functions of my job, I'm in international, so it's it's interesting. So what we do is we secure third-party partnerships for our movies. So and what that means is a third-party partnership is like McDonald's, Kellogg's, Audi, brands like that we tie in with our films. So if you go to a McDonald's and get like a happy, like a Smurfs Happy Meal, that's essentially what we do. We tie in our movies to brands like that. And our goal is to do that is we want to bring awareness for our films. So when you tie in with a, like a McDonald's who has 20,000 stores globally or Kellogg's who's going to put their your mo- promote your movie on 20 million packs of cereal, that's just more people who are going to be exposed to your film and learn about it through and different and plays that you places that you wouldn't normally market. So if you go into a restaurant or you go into a grocery store, you know, oftentimes we're not marketing our films in those places. So it's just more ways to reach people. And because we work in third party partnerships, we typically work on big event films because like family films, animated movies, or just big films that attract big audiences like Spider-Man Homecoming or Hotel Transylvania 3, A Monster Vacation we just did. But our, uh, our goal is to reach people who that also uh, buy brands like that and would be interested in knowing about our movies. So as the executive director of international marketing partnerships, who are the partners outside of some of the American companies that you mentioned? Actually, Audi is not an American company, but some of the other third-party partners that you have been cultivating over the years. Yeah, so essentially what we do is, so like we... What in, in my office, we look for global partnerships or regional partnerships, but I also manage 75 offices around the world, Sony offices. So there's a like a Sony Croatia office and there's a Sony Japan office and a Sony UK office. And all of those people are looking for local partnerships. So oftentimes what I do is I provide materials for them, like presentations on our movies and research and concepts that they use to go out and pitch local partnerships. So oftentimes they curate uh, partners along the way that love working with them. Like for instance, there's a like a retail store in Italy called Euronics that is essentially like a Best Buy in the US. And they often partner with us in Italy. Another Italy example is we had this tr- amazing promotion with Spider-Man Homecoming last year with a company called Tim, which is a telecom company that they did this amazing ad of their mascot dancing with 
Spider-Man. And it was very, it was a really huge promotion. It got, went viral. And so there's all these local, there's local uh, restaurants and local stores all around the world that are interested in our movies that our local offices will secure everywhere. And there's there's a ton. So it's 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 always fascinating sometimes when you see a brand and, and you're like, oh, okay, I know that brand, but I think an American might not know them just because that locally there's somebody popular, but maybe not internationally or globally. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So take me inside a typical day at your office in Culver City. If I were a fly on the wall, what would I be seeing and hearing you do? Well, the mornings are typically, I almost always have a a 9am call with one of our top key offices around the world. So we have about 13 key offices around the world, like the UK, Germany, you know, Australia, Mexico, those type of offices. So I have uh, usually a a 9am call with one of them where I go over who they're pitching on a particular film. And I go through status reports for them. So right now I'd be going through Venom, which is our big film coming out in October or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and that comes out in December. And then we have some big films next year too, like we have Spider-Man Far From Home and Ben in Black. So in the morning and in, in the probably in the first hour of my day, I'm talking to one of these offices and, and we're discussing who they're pitching and how's it going. And if they need any materials for me, like they need footage from the film or they need a concept or just an idea of what kind of partners they should be going after. So that's like the beginning of my day. Then I start doing emails um, where our international offices from all around the world email me with similar questions. So I spend a good part of my day responding to like Bulgaria and Spain. And one of our offices that's asking me a specific question about the same thing, like an example of who they're pitching, or they're submitting us deals, and we review the deals. Um, And then we have various meetings throughout the day where we talk about strategy and who we should be going after, how a typical film is doing marketing wise. And then sometimes the end of my day is talking to what doing what I do in the beginning of the day, which is talking to mostly European markets and Latin America markets. The end of my day is talking to those Asia markets, (laughs) because being an international means that you could potentially work 24 hours a day, but I do not because at some point in the day, one of the offices is open. So our Asia offices start opening around three o'clock in LA time. And then sometimes I'll have a call at five o'clock with our China office or with our Australia office and talk about similar things. So it's a lot of it's phone calls and emails and also writing strategies so I can give people guidance on what kind of movies they should go after. Um, That's a big part of my day, but it's really fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. What makes a good pitch from your, you know, from your standpoint? the best thing that makes a good pitch is if you can find a partner that has an organic connection to a movie, you know, just tying in with the movie because you have a similar target audience, like they, they target kids and you target kids. I mean, that's fine. Because if they're a shoe store that targets kids and you're a kid's movie, then yeah, they could do a partnership where you buy a, a pair of shoes and get tickets to the movie. That's fine. But what's really great is when there's an organic connection somehow to like, for instance, Venom. Venom is a movie that's coming out in October and it's all about to do well because there is an alien symbiote attaching itself to uh, a host, this guy. And so they have to work together. And sometimes if you can find some sort of partnership where maybe there's a product where you can put something together that's um, like a symbiotic relationship, if there's an organic connection somehow, like even just with the promotional hook or with um, something that the product actually does. I like it like Men in Black. If there's something that about suits, like they were, they're very all about making sure their suits are 
certain way. If you can make sure that like there's not, they don't get marks on their suits. So it's like an iron or something, something that would make a really cool connection that consumer can see that makes sense, obviously always helps the brand and it helps the movie because if a consumer can see an instant connection, it just make excites them more and it makes more sense than just being something simple about buying a product and getting a ticket to a movie or buying a product and getting a premium from that movie. We definitely do those types of partnerships, but it's always more exciting when it's something organic. Yeah. Like for Smurfs, they're blue and you could do something that the product's all about being blue. So there's, it, it's fun. And like, that's why, I, that's why I like uh, the movie business. Like, I mean, uh, marketing movies, which, because like I said, it's, it's, mar- it's like launching a brand new business with each movie. So you're always trying to think about what's exciting about this film. What makes this film different? Becky, our Java Junkie community are mostly students, recent college grads who are at the beginning of their career. You've been in this industry now for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. Help these Java Junkies who are in those entry-level positions learn how to manage up in a way that supervisors like you feel like this is somebody I want to keep promoting. I I just think being reliable is huge. Being creative. I mean, even when we have interns who come to me and say like, Hey, I'm done with this project. What's next? Or what what can I do for you? It's super exciting because, you know, sometimes you get somebody who's just doing their work and then they finish their their certain task and then they just go on to Facebook <laughs> or just they don't they don't actually ask for more work. I I don't need somebody who's slammed or busy all the time, but it's nice to be around somebody who's engaged and wants to learn and asks you if they don't if they don't understand something or something's interesting to them, it's fun to ha- sit down with somebody. Even if you don't have time, you can tell them maybe the next day you could find some time, but asking, oh, actually, why did you make that decision? Or why does that work? Or, or how can I help you in this project? That's always super amazing and helpful. And it's surprising because oftentimes you're just so busy that you don't think about asking certain people to guide you or help you because you think they're just as slammed as you are. But if they have an opportunity and they think it's fun to learn, then it's definitely amazing to, to teach somebody or work with them. How often in your career have you had a colleague, a younger person ask you if you would mentor them? Once in a while, I think sometimes I meet people in college who are interested in the career that I'm in. So I will suggest that that we get lunch. Sometimes if they're already in college, I'll have them come to the movie studio. So I, I think it's fun for them to come to the movie studio and have lunch. So the, so I'll have lunch with them and I ask them what they're interested in and I give them advice. And if they want to email me and, and ask questions down the road, then, then of course, I would definitely mentor people. I do that along the way. I don't think I've ever had somebody that I like met in college that like I continually kept in touch with for years and years and mentored them like every day. But there are people who ask me questions and want to meet with me. And I'm always up for that because people did that for me when I was in college. I had internships with people that I still kept in touch with or people who did similar jobs that I was interested in. And I reached out to and they met with me at their, they let me go to, there was a guy at Disney who's the head, who's the head of partnerships at Disney at the time. He's um, Brett Dicker. He spoke at my college and I thought he was so fascinating. So I, I got his business card out. Afterwards, and I called him up and I met with him. Good and he, he allowed you. me to come. 
Yeah, he allowed me to come to his office. And I, I actually, the reason why was I had a school project and was interview somebody doing a job that you wanted. So I had a, a reason to kind of contact him and said, Hey, I have this school project. Is there a way I can meet with you and interview you? And he said, of course. And he was somebody that I did keep in touch with for a long time afterwards. I didn't inundate him, but like, you know, every few months I would ask him, he actually gave me, he wrote me a letter to help me uh, get into an undergrad business program at my school. And then after I graduated, he even I even uh, tempt for him for a few months when I was looking for a job. So if you have good relationships with people and they believe in you and they think you're smart, then they will they want to help you. So speaking of school, you went to USC and you mm-hmm. got a BS in business administration and marketing. Yes. What were you going to do when you graduated? Did you know? Yeah, I knew what I wanted to do since I was 15. So when I was 15 years old, I was watching the American Teachers Awards at my house. And Michael Eisner, who at that point was a CEO of the Walt Disney Company, was the MC, the host of the awards. And I just thought he was so amazing. He like he seemed like he really loved his job. And um, and I love Disney. And I thought, gosh, this guy runs Disney. What a cool job. And that's when I decided, oh, I think I want to be a corporate executive for the Walt Disney Company. And that's just what was a dream that I formed when I was 15. And I literally went to the library the next day and I researched anything and everything I could on Michael Eisner and how he got to where he was. And then I even wrote a list of steps to say, okay, I want to be a movie studio executive. What does that mean? That means I have to overcome overcome my fear of public speaking, that I got to learn how to be a better team player. There were things that I identified about myself that I felt like I needed to fix if I ever wanted to do this. And I also thought I wanted to go to a college in Los Angeles. And I want to do internships after my sophomore and junior year. I did all I wrote down all these steps when I was 15. And I achieved all of them just because I was super I just was so motivated and fascinated by Michael Eisner. And then he's been my role model since I was 15. And now I'm 41. And he's still a role model to me. But what and when I went to college, and I ended up I decided that marketing was what I thought I was interested in. And when I when Brett Dicker came to USC and spoke about his job, that's when I realized, oh, this is so amazing. And he worked for Disney. I'm like, I think this is what I want to do. I want to do partnerships. And after my first internship, I think I started to realize it didn't matter anymore what movie studio I worked for. I just wanted to market movies. So it, it no longer mattered to me that it was Disney, even though I love Disney. It was that I wanted to market movies in general. Um, so I sort of honed that along the way. And I wanted to em- do an emphasis and marketing. I did want to do a minor in cinema, but it's almost impossible to get a minor in cinema at USC unless you take an extra year of school. So I would have to have been to school for five years. And for me, college was great, but it was always a means to graduate to be able to do what I wanted to do, which was get a job in market movies because I wanted to do this. I was so obsessed with it when I was 15. (laughs) And like I said, it became corporate executive for Disney and then it became marketing and then it became any movie studio. So college was a means for me to graduate to get the job that I wanted wanted to get so that I could do what I wanted to do. And, and I ultimately got to do it. So how did you get your first job? And what was it after you graduated? So it took a while to get my first job, which is uh, one of the things that was real was real, real difficult because I wrote this list of things uh, that I want to do since I was 15. I think and I knew what I wanted to do earlier than most people did. I think I just assumed that I was going to get this great job when I graduated. But I was so specific in what I wanted to do. I wanted to market movies and get a marketing assistant job. And there's only a handful of movie studios out there. So it was difficult. So I didn't get a job right out of college. I ended up uh, interviewed for some for some jobs 
didn't get them right away. I ended up temping at Sony Pictures, which was interesting. So I temped, which was great because it was a way to get money and work in a movie studio. And it wasn't exactly doing what I wanted to do. I like worked at, I think, uh, an animation for Sony. And I worked in like a licensing group. Like you get you get transferred to different places while you're temping, but you're getting money while you're looking for a job. So you're not taking any job. You're like still in the movie business, but you're being able to get paid while you're looking for what you wanted to do. So it took about nine months for me to land the job that I wanted, which was I got a job as an assistant in international theatrical partnerships at 20th Century Fox. And I never thought that international was the way what I was interested in, but it was marketing and that's what I wanted to do. But and it was partnerships. I think I always thought I wanted to do US because I live in the US and I know what people are interested in the US. But international was something I fell into. And now I've been doing it for almost 19 years. I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited that I fell into it. But it did take about nine months of temping while I looked for jobs to find this job at 20th Century Fox and get the job. Do you have any advice for Java junkies who, like you, may say, I just love the movie industry and I'd love to get into it, but they're not sure which aspect of the industry to pursue? Yeah, I think the best way is to intern in college. That's the best way to do it because I I interned in... and. In area of internship, I interned at a literary management company, which is essentially reading scripts, and they represent writers that re- that um, do scripts. And then I, the next summer, I interned at a production company where they made movies, and that was actually on the Sony Pictures lot. They were making the movie Big Daddy, which at that point was called Guy Gets Kid. But that was so helpful for me. It wasn't in the marketing part of it because it was it was hard. It was funny. It was hard to get a marketing internship, which is what I had wanted to get. I just think that. I was always so bummed because I would meet people who would get marketing internships in the movie business that didn't even really interested in marketing. And I was actually interested in marketing. But those internships were amazing um, because I I learned so much about the about making movies, which was tremendously helpful in marketing movies down the road because you see the blood, sweat and tears people put into making a movie and everything they put into it and how it takes years to make a movie. And so it's super helpful when you're marketing a movie because you have to you, you think about, well, what's the magic that somebody thought about? about making the script and making this movie, there has to be something that was important for them when they wanted to make this movie. So if you can isolate that and figure out what that is, you're a pretty good shot at convincing someone to, you know, pay $15 to go see a movie. So and also you want to make sure that you market a movie well, because there's so many people that have their whole lives into putting this movie together for so many years. But I also think when I tempt, temping is a really great way to do it too, after you graduate, because like I was working at a movie studio in the temp at Sony Pictures, but I was in different areas. I was in marketing, I was in finance, there was just different areas where sometimes you're like, you get an understanding of what that is and see if that's interesting to you. But interning is probably, I think, the best because you're actually committed and working in that for a three-month period and you can decide, oh, is this something I'm interested in? Becky, was there anything else that you did outside of internships while you were still at USC beyond kind of the studying and the hitting the books that you think in hindsight were actually assets once you started working? I I think just being passionate about like, I, I just love film and I just continue to further my film education. And all, although I, I think that I'm, I'm consistently surprised by, I think sometimes in the movie business surrounded by people who aren't obsessed with films, which I think is always surprising to me. It's nice to be 
you know, I love movies and I wanted to continue to learn more about all types of movies from obscure foreign films to small indie movies to big movies from all decades and all just from all sorts of generations. So it's been that's always been helpful when I meet people because I I always try to find out something about people like what's your favorite movie when I meet certain people and I can try to then I can try to relate to them through film. And I think just because I've always had that passion for movies, it sort of endeared me to certain people because I think everybody loves movies and they might not be as obsessed with movies as I am. But there is some movie that affected them in some way. So it's an easy way in to find somebody that or find out what their pop culture obsession is. They have to be into something. They're really into music or they're really into TV. So if you can, along the way, when you meet people, try to get to know them through their pop culture interests, I think there's always a way to connect with anybody because there's usually some sort of way in. And that's been my way in since I was in college. And I think a lot that what's been helpful is to just continue to further education in all sorts of pop culture TV, film, music, just so you can talk to more people about different interests. Absolutely. And even before we started recording this podcast, you were telling me that you're listening to different entertainment related podcasts on your mm-hmm. on your commute. So you're you're constantly updating and making sure that your information is current. I mean yeah. that's that's something that you enjoy. Uh, you mentioned, Becky, that you had a fear of public speaking. Yes. How did you overcome that fear? I overcame it in college. When I like I said, I was 15. I was always sort of afraid in school to get to get up and stand up in front of a group of people and have a presentation. It just was always so scary to me. So I pushed myself when I was in I was an honor society in high school. And we got picked to sponsor a conference at our school. I went to Moore Park High, we had a regional conference at our school. And so we had to have MCs and host of this conference. So I volunteered to be a host for the conference, even though I was definitely afraid of speaking in front of a group. But I think just knowing that it was a problem, I just I said, I'm going to do this. And we had a script and I worked on it and I prepared. And I that's how I overcame it because I forced myself to sign up for something and do it. My husband is a, a movie studio executive as well. He works in creative advertising and he used to have a fear of public speaking about 10 years ago. And what he did was he joined Toastmasters to overcome that fear. He always thought, obviously, when you're in the movie business, you sometimes often have to get up and make presentations or you have to present your own marketing ideas. And that was something he wanted to be more comfortable at. So he joined Toastmasters and he got so great at it that he ended up becoming president of his chapter of Toastmasters in LA. Oh my gosh. I think, yeah. So I think it, I think the thing is, is to push yourself to join some, some sort of thing that will help you like a Toastmasters, a local Toastmasters or something that would help you push you and give you the tools that you need or push yourself to like volunteer to speak. I think once you actually like speak and figure out what you're good at, then I think it helps. It just it it helps you get better at it. I mean, something that I still struggle with is impromptu speaking. <laughs> I wish I was much better at that. But that's something that I continue to work on. I'm much better if I'm if I prep and I know what I'm saying. But if somebody just on the spot asks me something, I think sometimes it's a lot harder. But that's a that's an area that they teach you in Toastmasters. So that's ended up being how I overcame my fear in high school, because I just forced myself to be in a situation that I wasn't going to make me comfortable. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that is, that is one of the aspects of working life that is mm-hmm. 
most intimidating for people. It's when you have to get up, whether it's in front of a small group of people or your whole office, that is incredibly intimidating. And and I remember when I was starting out as a journalist and, and having to, especially as a broadcast journalist, having to go on television and trying not to psych myself out. <laughs> Eventually <laughs> you get in the zone and you, you know, you just, after doing it, it's like a muscle that you're working on. It just right. gets stronger and stronger. Becky, if you would, one of the things that I try to ask all of the guests on Time for Coffee is a time in their professional life when they hit a wall or just screwed something up or had a challenging supervisor or boss or whatever the case may be, maybe even got fired in some instances mm-hmm. and had to dig deep to move forward with their profession and their career. If you would, if there has been a, an occasion like that for you, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our Java junkies what happened and how you were able to come out the other side. Right. Well, I guess there's, uh, I can say something in general, but I'll do a specific example, which I don't know how well the specific example is, but then I'll go to the general one. The specific example is what I worked at 20th Century Fox for five years, then I went to an agency for two, and then I went to Sony Pictures and I've been there about uh, 11 years now. Well, in between Fox and Sony Pictures, I was at this agency for two years that represented Burger King. And they don't exist anymore. They moved on to be, uh, they went on to be a different agency at some point with different people. But it was agency life was interesting because that's the thing about marketing and, and what I do in third party brands is at this agency, what we did was I represented Burger King. So then I was on the other side of the business where I worked with all the movie studios and tried to figure out what movies fit in with our Burger King Happy Meal. I mean, our kids meals. So that was really interesting for me. But being at an agency was just so different because we had a client, our client was Burger King. And um, it was different being at a studio because oftentimes you have people who are your clients. But in this way, I had to have a client. So it was a tough two years. I got to thrive in the position and um, internet. I was an international. A lot of people don't understand international very well. I've found over the years. So sometimes people just leave you to your own devices. But what was interesting was I had to go to a conference in Madrid and it was a great conference. And at this point, I had decided that I wanted to jump back to a movie studio in probably six months. I just wanted to see it be on the other side of the agency world. And it was frustrating because at the end of my Madrid trip, I uh, missed my flight going back to Los Angeles. And I went to do some sort of tourism activity in the morning. And I should have gotten back in time. But I got lost in Madrid. I didn't know that language. I got super lost. And so I missed my flight. And when I got back to oh, so the student the company ended up paying for me a little extra, I think they paid like $1,000. It was a lot of money to like pay for me to go back to LA because I missed my flight. And they only had like one flight a day. So when I got back, I ended up getting in trouble for missing my flight, which I was, which I'm consistently floored by when I talk to people <laughs> through in the movie business, but they made me pay them back for missing. And I got in trouble. And I remember I got called in and HR was there. And it was so interesting to me because I had never gotten in trouble my whole life. Like I never get sent to the principal's office. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, 
29 years old and I'm getting, I'm the, they're like saying, Hey, you missed your flight. This isn't okay. You need to pay us back. And I wasn't making a lot of money. And they told me I needed to pay them like a thousand dollars back. And I thought about it and I'm like, well, maybe I could use my own vacation days to do this. So I came back and I said, Hey, is there a way I can pay you back in my vacation days? And they said, okay, you could do that. They said, it'll be this many vacation days. And then you owe us a check for $62. And I was like, I can't, what? And at this point, I had already had decided that I was thinking about ultimately leaving this company. But I decided that this conference was so amazing. I'm like, oh, I can actually see myself here for another year. But once this company asked me to pay them back mm. and they're like, you need to pay us back this money that you missed your flight, which really I got lost and it wasn't something I did on purpose. That was when I realized that this wasn't the type of place that I wanted to be at anymore. So I did. I paid them back. I paid with my vacation days. I wrote them a $62 check for the difference. But it was one of those weird experiences where I, I was just floored. I just I had never gotten in trouble before. And I, I thought, oh, this is totally my fault. And this should have, you know, this shouldn't have happened. But then also just couldn't believe that I was at a company that required me to pay them back when it was something that I didn't do unintentionally. It was an honest mistake. Yeah. And I talk to people all the time in the business. And they're always like so shocked by that. And so I think that was a big op- eye-opening thing. I think it was just the culture of that, the company I was at, that being in that agency was scary sometimes because I would be there for, they would hire a new person. And a few weeks later, they would fire that person because they just like didn't really think they fit in. And I'd never worked in an environment before where people would get fired just because they didn't fit in or they didn't like them. And it was just a different culture that I had to get used to. So I think I lo- was lucky when I worked there and they really liked me. But when this thing happened, that's when I realized, oh, I'm not any different than anybody else. And I just realized this isn't the kind of place that I want to work anymore. So I, I did end up leaving. And about six months later, I went to Sony Pictures and I was very happy there. But in general, something I think is that everybody should look out for is that, you know, it's, it's, there are bosses along the way in my career that I've had that have been very difficult. And you just have to constantly remind yourself that it's not you, (laughs) especially in the in the movie business. And that's hard sometimes. But I think if there's a way to capture your voice and make sure you always have a voice, it's hard to do that in the movie business. But I think if you always try to own who you are and have a voice, I think that's the best way to get through having a difficult boss. And also, if you do have a difficult boss along the way, I think those bosses don't ultimately end up changing. So I think I would get in, learn and and move up, but ultimately figure out a way to go to another department or, or get another job. Because sometimes if you have a really difficult boss, that's never going to change mm. for you. That is such great advice. Yeah, because it's very unusual in your career that you always work for people that you like and who are supportive and who will mentor you and who will be good managers. So I think that is a good way to go. Like get what you can out of it and then move on (laughs) so that you don't have to keep working with that person. Becky, final time for coffee question here. If you could go back to USC or maybe another school based on the wisdom that you have today as someone who's in her early 40s, what advice would you give yourself? I think what I've learned along the way is that sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to. Sometimes you don't get the job right out of college, or sometimes you're interviewing and you really want this job. It sounds like the most amazing job in the whole world, and you don't get it. And you're like, don't understand why you don't get it. But I think you always, throughout my whole career, I've always realized that 
there's a reason for that. And usually it's like, oh, I didn't get that job, but something more amazing comes along the way. And you're like, wow, I would never have known about this opportunity or have been able to take this if I thought I had gotten that job. So things always sort of work out, I believe. And I think that when I got out of college, I had a little, you know, I was a little bout, a tiny bout of depression right when I graduated because I was so obsessed with this is what I wanted to do. And I had all these steps and, you know, all had, I would meet people who had, had gotten jobs right out of college, definitely in different industries. That's harder in the movie business. It was kind of crushing to be like, oh, wow, they get to do what they want to do. And I, I, I haven't been able to do it yet. I think it to be less hard on myself and realize that there's a reason for everything and that it will ultimately happen. And just meet people, try to reach out to people in areas of the business that you want to do. And you can reach out to me if this is what you want to do. There are people who will understand, who will give you advice and will help you. But everybody's been there. And it's easy to be like to be down on yourself. And also just in general, in your 20s, 20, in your 20s, it's hard when you're moving up because I feel like people are constantly comparing themselves to other people. Oh, my friend got promoted and I didn't get promoted. I'm not where I wanted to be. Just you're just real conflicted. You're not making the money you want, but it's going to work out and it will happen if you're passionate and you're dedicated. And when you turn 30, I think life infinitely gets so much infinitely better. I cannot, I always tell people that, but the 20s are hard, but you can get through them. And it just try not to, even though it's easy to try not to compare yourself to other people and where they are, because ultimately you will get there and you may go further than they are. It's just not the right time for you. And for some reason. Oh, that is such wonderful advice, Becky. Thank you so much. No, that was really, that was heartfelt. And, and I think that if Java junkies can really take that in and be easier on themselves and recognize that if they keep their head down and they keep giving their best effort and Take advantage of those moments when you can meet a particular person who might be in the industry that you want and look for those internship opportunities and get involved in activities on campus and mm-hmm. and it will happen. It will happen. And that's what happen. Time for Coffee is all about. And we're going to put Becky's Twitter handle on her show notes. So Java junkies who are interested in reaching out to Becky, that generous offer that she just made can do so. Becky Deanna. Thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the Java Junkie community today. Of course, it was so much fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. 